One Week Season. OWS fam, La Familia, welcome to the inaugural DFS Labs FanDuel edition. I am Mike Johnson, your host, M Johnson 86, as I am known in the DFS and best ball streets. Excited for week one, the start of the NFL season. We're about 1,200 best ball drafts. That's an exaggeration, but uh, I'm ready for the real thing now and um, getting into the the real DFS, the real NFL football, all of our takes are going to be confirmed or denied in the first week. We know that whatever you believe, if it is uh, confirmed by what you see on the field, then you were right. And that's all there is to it. Uh, I kid, obviously, but we are here. This is again, the first DFS labs FanDuel edition. JM has been killing it since last year. Uh, building lineups on DraftKings, going through his thought process, um, you know, with his guest. And we are going to expand this year. I have uh, courses um, on one week season that we talk about, uh, you know, the edge on FanDuel. There's lots of different things that we'll get into this season. Why uh, I think there's edge to be exploited. There's a high expected value to playing on FanDuel. And with that, I am going to introduce you to our esteemed guest, Steve Kleiseth. Steve, a one-week season uh, member, Inner Circle member. He is a uh, known in the Discord streets as Maximus. Uh, so Maximus, Big Max, FanDuel Master, welcome. Thanks for having me, Mike. Pleasure and honor. Look forward to... Uh extending what JM and his cousin did last year into the FanDuel world. And yeah, uh, that should be cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's, this is uh, one of the first times we've, you know, spoken, you know, face to face, I guess, virtually like this, but a lot of interactions last year on discord, uh, you know, really enjoyed our, our back and forth discussing the, uh, you know, the nuance of the slate, how to adjust uh, things from, uh, a FanDuel perspective, just because so much of what everyone does is, uh, you know, it starts and is centered around DraftKings, and then people make slight adjustments. There's very few who uh, really focus on that specific, uh, the nature of the FanDuel scoring, the nature of uh, the salary structure, and all those things. So uh, really excited with that. So uh, we've had you build a lineup First, do you want to share with the people, I guess, and I'll pull up on my screen, uh, what is the contest, a little bit about your background with FanDuel um, and the contest specifically uh, that we built for? Sure. Yeah, this is a contest I had a good deal of success with last season, as fate would have it. You know, there's always the variance train that goes with the, with the skill and the instinct, of course. But uh, in a non-shameless promotion, because I'm the one that's talking about it, guys, you got to get Mike Johnson's FanDuel course uh, for NFL DFS. It was absolutely pivotal in some of my decisions, just based on the way to approach roster construction on FanDuel specifically, which is obviously different from DraftKings. And just historically, I've just had a better go at it, I guess, with uh, with FanDuel, with NFL uh I do play on DraftKings as well, but with FanDuel, it's, you know, there, there's certain thought processes that are 
kind of more cut and dry when you have a process as far as per, what the position is and what you're kind of looking for on the face of it. And obviously there's always digging deeper to the game environments and to doing your proper study and research. But as an overall blanket uh, or umbrella of just the process in general, uh, your course was very instrumental uh, along with the history of me playing in FanDuel contests to, uh, to have a successful year last year. Doesn't mean it's going to equate to this year, I know, but um, I'm feeling pretty confident. Should be a lot of fun going in. And uh, this contest that we are looking at is a contest that I played pretty religiously almost every week last year, except for maybe a week or two that I didn't play. I know JM talks about maybe sometimes it's good to take a week, just kind of mentally refresh yourself. But um, this contest is a uh, 30K in total uh, prizes. It's a five entry max. So you can make up to five teams. It's $65 a team. There's 524 entrants. That's not the same amount every week. Sometimes it'll be like 400 something, sometimes maybe up to 600, but it's pretty much around what the entrant level is that you see on the screen. And those are the, you know, playing for first place. Obviously the, the first place is four grand, but uh, the, the structure isn't too bad going down the list here. Uh, you know, if you have, if you're doing five teams maximum a week, you know, pretty much you get two teams, at least in the money. Uh, you're not like killing yourself in this kind of tournament, but again, it's all relative to what you have to spend. There is another version of this contest that's $7 a team. And it's also a five entry max. And uh, yeah, for some reason, I just feel really comfortable with five entries. It kind of because you have the feature when you're in single entry where you know you have to narrow it down and it's kind of in hindsight, you're like, oh, I wish I would have had just a little bit extra or something. With five entry max, it kind of covers everything I want to kind of close in on by the end of the week. And then yeah. kind of, in my opinion, uh, leave no stone unturned and not really feel any kind of regret if you yeah. did have a good week. At least you kind of with five teams, even three to a certain extent, you kind of cover a lot of territory that you're trying to encapsulate in your roster construction for that, for these teams. Yeah. It gives you some flexibility, but it also provides like a constraint. You know, sometimes you, I, I've got a three-year-old daughter. You can see her, uh, her drawings in the background at my daddy daycare here. Um, but you know, I routine and, and constraints are, are a good thing uh, for all of us. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you're, I think that you're exactly right. That five entry max is, is a pretty cool, uh, cool number. Cause you know, one or three, it, it, it kind of limits you um, like in what your opportunities can do. Um, but then a lot of times after that, you, you know, you have like the 20 max or the big ones. Um, this five entry, I think is really, really cool. Cause you can take a stand, but still have some flexibility. Um you know, in this structure, just looking at this structure, uh, you know, there's 131 teams get paid. That is 25% of the uh, of the entries. So, you know, just from a standpoint of you're entering five entries, uh, assuming you max this, um, you know, that is what five or three hundred twenty five dollars. Right. So uh, three hundred twenty five dollars. But just by you know, mathematically, 
you have five entries, so you would expect one of those to be in the top 20%. So that's a min cash, and that's you know 150 of your dollars back just by kind of being somewhat expected over time. Um, you know, which again, I talk about some of that in like my expected value course uh, and stuff like that. But there is, um, you know, contest selection is just so overlooked by so many people. Uh, even the, you know, the min cash being over 2x what your entry fee for one entry is, uh, is a big deal. You know, you look at the Millie Maker and stuff like that. A lot of times it's barely 1.5x. Um, so, you know, those types of things over time uh, really add up. So I really like this contest structure that you've got here. And I know you said you had uh, a lot of success with this uh, last year. Do you want to tell the people some of your finishes there? Yeah, I had uh, four really solid weeks. I finished third place one week. I was in the top five two other weeks. And then like top 10 on another week. And it's interesting because I know we're going to get into it, but the late swap feature uh i absolutely love with this contest especially with game game environments that happen to be in the late window that you want to have that uh you know have access or be able to uh put uh, those game environments into play um one week uh, the late my late swap decision cost me a first place and then another week my late swap decision which is typically the flex spot uh i like to think as one of the two or three late swap you know potential mm -hmm. Um, and then one week it helped me get, you know, uh, better on the, uh, placement than I otherwise would have. Right. So that's something I definitely want to get your thoughts about on, on the late swap, uh, uh, situation that, you know, a lot of people still seems like they may know about it, but maybe don't utilize it, especially when it gets closer to when the, uh, the second slate or the late slate of, of games is kicking off. But yeah, that was, I had about four solid weeks in this contest. Uh, last year, it's funny. The third place finish I had, I was in first place. It was the week where the uh, Broncos were playing the Raiders, and it went to overtime. And Devonte Adams had that big fifty-yard-plus touchdown. And it's funny because my late swap decision that week, I had Tony Pollard and I had T. Higgins going. Uh, those were like my two spots I kind of left for late play. Yeah, and it, they're they're the reason I got to first place. Tony Pollard was in that game against the Vikings where the Cowboys were just yep. crushing. But that Devontae Adams uh, knocked me from, knocked two people ahead of me from first to third. And I was like, please let the game end. Yeah. <laughs> not mine, going to overtime, but, mine but was not as severe, but something similar because that was the week that Zeke came back and Pollard had been smashing and that everybody kind of got off of him. So he was like 5% owned. Absolutely. And he was like my top play for the week. I was like, don't get off of him. They're going to, he's going to go nuts. And he did. Uh, I, I wasn't quite up in like first place in any contest, but um, yeah, it, it didn't quite go. Dallas won by, ended up winning by too much because I built a lot around that game. And then, um, you know, the Minnesota side just kind of fell on its face, but uh, I digress. Um, we'll have a different, uh, DFS labs for counseling for all our grieving <laughs> and, and losses. I could use um, that. But yeah, we uh, we'll definitely we'll touch on the late swap stuff as we get into um, the breakdown. So I'm going to pull up your lineup then, and then you can kind of uh, talk us through it. You could talk through the 
you know, tell us the players and then kind of your thought process as you were building uh, your lineup. So I'll pull that up now. Okay. So obviously this is the practice lineup. And I was looking at and obviously reading some of the OWS write-ups uh, in the NFL edge. And um, you can't see it on the screen at the moment, but I actually have $1,200 left over on this team. And that's only for the reason of late swap, really, with the 4 o'clock games. Because I definitely, at least on the face of it right now, the two game environments, uh, especially with FanDuel, at least in my opinion right now, I want exposure to is the Dolphins at the Chargers and the Eagles at the Patriots. Uh, those two games, I feel, are especially one of them, could definitely take off. But So I started with, and the mindset was kind of like, making sure that I had allocation for those late games. So I figured, and, and a lot of this I can almost correlate with your course too, with your FanDuel course. Um, so Anthony Richardson, obviously there's a risk factor there, but he does kind of fit the model of a rushing quarterback with upside. Um, it's completely unpredictable how he's going to do in week one, but I figured Jacksonville is definitely capable of putting up points. Um, I think either or, even in a come, even in a uh, play from behind role, um, with the rushing upside and the price sixty seven hundred, pretty good price to be able to kind of work other areas of the team. And if, as you can see a little bit uh, down, oh, it, it shows it. Um, I haven't paired with Alec Pierce. I figure with the rushing quarterback, you know, one player probably could be naked if I wanted to go that route, but. Alec Pierce is kind of more of a deep threat, not really a slot guy, I don't think. So, and he's also yeah. a pretty nice price there. Yeah, and I, I like that, and I think you're right. With, um, sorry to jump in, but oh, you know, just uh, as you're talking, um, yeah, oh. and I think that I think that that specifically, you know, every situation is unique, and I think that Richardson at his price point and Pierce at his price point. <laughs> It, it makes sense, right? Um, Pierce is, you know, he's kind of a deep threat guy. Richardson, um, he's got a big arm. Um, I talked about it in my team previews this year about how Richardson, I think he's the type of guy who his physical tools are so elite that people are going to want to jump on him in like down matchups. But I think he's really interesting because he's physically so gifted. He can beat anybody. You know what I mean? Like he can, he can break two tackles from any, he, I mean, he's, he's Derek Henry, but a 10th of a second faster in the 40. Um, like physically that he's the same size as Derek Henry. Uh, like, and, the, and then he can throw it 60 yards. Um, so I love him. And then with those rushing quarterbacks, a lot of times you're, you're hoping for that rushing yardage. You're hoping for the rushing touchdowns. Pierce is cheap enough that it makes sense. You know, if, uh, you know, if Richardson had, if you've got a, a quarterback like this and you're pairing them with an $8,000 receiver, then it's a little tougher needle to thread. But, um, you know, and even Pierce, he, he doesn't necessarily kill you in a contest like this, even if he just has like a five for 60 game. So um, I love that pairing to start it out. Okay. And another thing I'll kind of something that I'll bounce off that JM stresses, and that is that price point for Anthony Richardson probably isn't going to stay at that price for too long, especially if he does well. 
So it's kind of good to get him in, at, at least on FanDuel, at a price point like that, because inevitably he's going to be a lot more expensive than that sooner than later, in my opinion. But um, Okay, and then we have, uh, for the running backs, Rashad White and Austin Eckler. Uh, as far as Rashad White goes, he's, you know, this is another game that could be a shootout situation. I don't really feel – he doesn't have much behind him to deal with right now. I feel that he will be definitely, uh, besides rushing, the pass-catching running back, three down, per se. I mean, maybe some of the time. And uh, out of um, also at that same price point at 6,400, I'm also thinking about Brian Robinson. Uh, same price point as Rashad White. You know, at home against the Cardinals, you know, he should have a, a pretty good workload. I know he's splitting. And that's the other factor where I went with Rashad White. He's going to be splitting somewhat with Antonio Gibson. I think Rashad White, at least in week one, seemingly will have the backfield mostly to himself. And then uh, Austin Eckler, obviously, is uh, for that game environment that I'm interested in uh, for the 4 o'clock games. But he also is somebody that is late swappable. Uh, you know, maybe I want to go off him to somebody like Kenneth Walker and then instead of in the flex, which we'll get to, you know, put Tyreek Hill in there maybe. So it gives me some the, – the Rashad White price is also, I feel, a really good price for week one based on uh, what his volume should be uh, in the Tampa Bay offense and Minnesota, at Minnesota. They should be putting up points. And obviously right underneath him is Justin Jefferson – the, the one Viking rule, I guess I'm implementing here for week one that, that JM likes to talk about uh, historically uh, since the in the Kirk Cousin era. And so uh, JJ kind of goes without saying, I'm just so happens I'm able to fit him in this particular lineup. And I don't seem on the face of it to be uh, losing too much of other things by having him, even though that's a, obviously an expensive price point there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give it back to you at this point if you want to. Yeah, uh, you know, I like all of the the thought processes. You know, the Jefferson and White, that mini correlation. I know Hilo's already been, like, blowing up uh, our phones. I'm still doing, like, all these best ball drafts, and Hilo's just, like, pinging me, pinging us left and right about his Baker Mayfield Rashad White stacks. So uh, I'm excited <laughs> for that. But I do think um, – you know, White is a guy who throughout the course of the season, I'm not sure how that situation plays out. But for week one, he certainly looks like the guy. Uh, Minnesota's defense shouldn't be that great. Um, Jefferson is, again, this is the contest. You, you got to understand the contest you're playing. Um, there's so much value week one, you know, kind of across the board. It's easy to find salary that, you know, finding a way to get Jefferson in your lineup um, you know, you can afford him, I guess, is where I'm going with it. Uh, you know, you can, you can afford to pay up a little bit for him. Um, so yeah, I love that correlation. I think that's kind of an underrated game just because there's kind of some stink around Tampa, um, from the off season narratives, uh, and losing Brady love, uh, Austin Eckler, you know, I'm never gonna, uh, talk down on that. Did you, you didn't dive too much into him yet. Did you? Are you just talking yeah, because he's more of a – I have him in place for now, but mm -hmm. unbelievably, to your point of having that much salary remaining, that's a week one only probably situation. Yeah. That I, that's, that's a benefit. And, uh, yeah, I'll cover him more with uh, 
within the late swap uh, mindset that I have yeah. particularly. And then um, you want to talk about the, the rest, the bottom of the lineup here? Yeah, so Chris Olavi, you could consider a onesie. Um, I think, you know, he seems to be, you know, set up for to have a potential big year. Uh, big play guy, as your teachings on FanDuel, I mean, it's, you, you're looking for people who can realistically, you can see getting two touchdowns in a game. And mm-hmm. at home against Tennessee, obviously uh, Tennessee, even though that could be deceiving, that 32nd rank from last year. But, um, you know, I think he's going to command a lot of volume and focus. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's good to think about players where um, separate from DraftKings, you're not really necessarily looking for like sl- a slot receiver who's going to get a lot of volume and catches. You're looking for somebody who can take the top off, but who's also one of the main focuses of that team's operation from the coaching scheme. And mm-hmm. I feel Olavi is going to be like a big part of the Saints offense, even starting week one. I like his price as well at 7,300. And then um, looking down at the tight end spot, I know a lot of people probably, you know, have had frustrating results with Mike Kosicki over the years when he was a Dolphin. But New England, historically, they use their tight ends, you know, really well schematically. Um, There was some injury news on him, but I guess it it looks like he's good to go. And at 4,800, I think I'm implementing the cheap tight end. That at least is athletic and, you know, that can be involved in the offense, maybe in a catch-up game against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't any Eagles on this team, but that's the other reason, you know, for late swap purposes, at least I have a piece of that game through Gesicki. And um, if we scroll a little bit further down, I have Raheem Mostert as well. That's kind of a skinny stack to Eckler. Mm-hmm. At only 5,900, obviously uh, Jeff Wilson is injured. And I think behind him is just a rookie running back for the Dolphins. So I think most or at least in week one, the Miami backfield will not be quite as muddled and he'll definitely get his fair share of work. And then the Broncos defense at 4,000. I know defenses price-wise on FanDuel don't necessarily matter as much as DraftKings uh, as far as the minimum to the maximum defensive uh, uh, rate to uh, to put a defense on your team. But I do like the Broncos in this spot against the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, he didn't have any training camp, really. They're going to be in high altitude and, and hot weather. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the stamina is like on the Raiders' side of the ball as it gets further into the game. And the Broncos seem to fit there for me defensively. But then I have $1,200 left over. So, you know, there's a lot of, depending on how the 1 o'clock players are doing, there's a lot of wiggle room between Eckler, um, uh, uh, Raheem Mostert, and uh, even Gasicki to maybe mix it up a little bit if I'm, you know, looking at ownership, although ownership may be not as much of a factor in this small of a contest, but somewhat of a factor probably. Maybe I want to kind of do a piece on the Eagles. This kind of affords me kind of going any direction. Like if I take Eckler out, for instance, you can mm-hmm. put somebody like Kenneth Walker in maybe. Mm-hmm. And then that frees you up in the flex for either Tyreek Hill or uh, A.J. Brown or players like this. So there's a lot of wiggle room, at least in week one here. Sorry, who did you say for Eckler? Yeah, just 
Who did I you say? Theoretically, so if you took Eckler out as an yep. example, and you put in Kenneth Walker. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I didn't hear the name. Gotcha, oh, yeah. No, no problem. And then Tyreek for most. Kenneth, I think Kenneth Walker's 71. Yep. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I love where your head is at with all of this. So you've got the Broncos. So, you know, just like my feedback and kind of sure. looking at kind of how I see the week and how I, you know, week one, the really interesting thing with week one is obviously pricing is a little off. They're trying, it's intentional by the sites. They want it a little softer uh, so people can build lineups that they like. Um, but there's so many things that are off. There's so many things that if you can be ahead on, if you can be right, like this is the best time to find those inefficiencies in the market because four or five weeks in, you have all the usage rates, you've adjusted to the offenses, that sort of stuff. Um, so like when I look at your lineup, the, the number one thing to me that stands out is if we look at defense. So we talked about... Um, talked about you you've got the broncos uh four thousand um and i don't think that's a bad play at all but looking at your salary left over um because I, I do like the rest of the lineup uh i think the washington commanders there's so much so much noise about the uh cardinals this year and kyler murray and their awkward coach giving that speech and uh, you know, all that's, there's so much negativity around the Cardinals, um, that I think the commanders, I would expect to be the highest owned defense this week. Um, and with that in mind, I would, I really like the idea of the Ravens defense. So going up and paying for them along with that, I'm really high on JK Dobbins, who, uh, if we go back to the running back, he's only a hundred dollars more than Rashad white. So the thing I like about him, and again, he's right priced by Brian Robinson, who I think people, you know, he's kind of the, got that early down and goal line type role is what the word is. So with people being down on Arizona, also on the defense, I think playing Dobbins with uh, the Ravens defense, because I think the Ravens are going to be really, really good this year. I think they're going to put up a ton of points week one. Um, and I think Dobbins is going to be the feature back that we've never seen him be before, uh, just because I'm so down on the rest of that backfield. Um, and we talk about, I like the correlation play with White and Jefferson, but also like there's theories where Jefferson just has a, a really good game and it doesn't guarantee anything for White. And there's also situations where, I think the touchdown equity that you're looking at from um, from Tampa Bay versus Baltimore is a big swing. So at the same price point with two backs that have kind of the same projection um, as far as like likely going to be on the field 70 to 75% of the time. Again, this is getting into the weeds on like the player take like stuff, but the Ravens, right, they just smashed or they just uh, paid Lamar Jackson like a, a ton of money. Um, they committed to him long term with this giant contract. And so one of my things this year is like you're not going to 
and he's kind of he's not like the Josh Allen build, right? He's not Jalen Hurts. He's more of a thin frame. So I just think that especially in games like this, um, where we should kind of expect them to be in control. I don't think Lamar is going to siphon off as much rushing work, especially near the goal line. Um, so yeah, I just think Dobbins, that's like the first like adjustment that I see uh, that would make sense. Um, you know, at, it's your lineup, do what you want. But that, like, I love how you built this lineup. I also love that you built it with that money uh, remaining. Cause even if, so obviously you've got me, um, kind of looking this over and giving you some feedback, but I also think that's a good exercise for anyone building lineups to do would be to build a lineup that you feel good about, leave yourself some salary. And then a day or two later, you can come back when you have a better handle on the slate, when maybe you have more news and information and be like, Oh, this is because I think everybody just naturally wants to build, uh, you know, the full lineup and they spend all their money right away. And then it's looking for small adjustments um, whereas, you know, when you start and you've got that cushion, you, your mind just has a lot more possibilities. There's a lot more, um, it allows your brain to, to go in different directions instead of just these sideways paths. Um, so I think that's like an interesting uh, way to build. Like I said, I love how you built um, the rest of this roster. I love the late swap discussion. Um, I love where your head's at too with like, the biggest thing I would say with late swap and the biggest mistake people make is um, they go to late swap and they're trying to figure it out at, you know, midway through the fourth quarter of the early games. Um, and they're trying to figure out what can I do here? Um, what can I do there? Um, I love that. Well, so it's, you have four players in the late window. If you keep the Broncos, you'd have three, if you made the swap that I talked about, um, but I love that having like three or four, two to four guys, three kind of optimal because it gives you, fle again, flexibility where I can go up here, I can go down here, um, you know, and those guys are at varying price points. To, to your point, you know, if you go down off Eckler, um, you can go up from most there. Uh, you look at uh, Gesicki is 4,800. So with him in the tight end spot, it's, um, you know, you've got some guys in the late window. You got Everett for 700 more. You've got Higby if Cooper Cup is out, uh, Dulcich if uh, Judy is out. Um, you know, you get a lot of options there. Um, Dallas Goddard. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, and we'll dive more and more into late swap throughout throughout the season as we do these weekly. But I think it's, it's such an underutilized thing and it's especially useful in this specific type of contest because you can see where you stand a lot better when there's 10,000 entries. Yeah. You can scroll through and kind of, okay, this guy's ahead of me, but you don't know who's behind you, especially in big weeks like this, there's 13 games and there's five games in the afternoon window you can think you're sitting great and you got, you know, two or three guys left. Um, but when there's, you know, 20,000 entries or a hundred thousand entries, there's people who have only had two or three guys play. And if there, if, if, if one of the games in the afternoon goes 
you know, is 45, 42, you're probably going to get lapped by a bunch of people. It's not going to matter. Whereas here you can have such a good idea where you stand. Um, and I think it's, it's really relevant from the standpoint of trying to get to first. So seeing your paths there, um, you know, you, you've got some time where you can figure out who, if you're sitting really well, who are the few guys around you? What do they have left? Yeah. What salary do they have left? And kind of, okay, this is probably what they've got, what they're working with based on how the rest of their lineup looks. Um, so there's just so much game theory you can get into. Uh, and I think it's just especially useful in this type of contest. Um, and I think it's the other thing that I think people don't do enough of is, and that again, why I love this type of contest where you've got five entries is it's useful for that entry where the, you have five or six guys in the early game and you're sitting really good. Right. But it's also useful when you have three or four guys in the early game and maybe you're not doing good and you can save some EV, like you're not going to win the tournament, but you might be able to like change this lineup up to something you never would have made before the contest started, but you can take some weird stands, play some contrarian lineups. And if things break right, maybe you save some money by just by getting a min cash. And I think that, you know, if you're entering 40 lineups in a contest, um, in, a, in a huge contest, it's like impossible. You're not going to go through every dead lineup um, and save that money. So um, especially useful in this type of contest, I think. Yeah, and, and all great points on, the, uh, on your opinions on the player change-ups. But the beauty of those player change-ups is I don't necessarily have to because they can be on another team. I have five teams to make if I'm going to max enter. Right. So it's great to get your feedback for another team or maybe it's a similar setup, but then I make a couple tweaks and uh, have that as another team of the, of the five. Um, so yeah, no, thanks for sharing your uh, little bit, you know, maybe slight adjustments here and there on, on a few of the uh, other game environments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, you know, every lineup is, is unique and tells a, a story. And, um, you know, I shared a couple, you know, player team specific takes, but I'm going to be wrong on some things just like uh, everybody else. Week one is just, um, you know, trying to, trying to paint a picture of something that, um, you know, maybe everybody else isn't expecting, especially week one when we really do know so little, um, you know, being able to take, I love that you took Gasicki. Um, he's a guy I've been loading up on in best ball the last like two weeks. Cause uh, yeah, I can see he's that. actually returned to practice, um, but they've just been like conserving him. Uh, but he's, he's back and he's going to play in full and their receiving core is, is pretty beat up. Uh, the Eagles, they, they build their team. They don't really value off ball linebackers. Um, so he's going to, he's going to have some good matchups and, and I think he's going to get targets. So um, in a potential high scoring game playing from behind there, I love that play. Um, but yeah, I think it, now you got me all excited. I'm going to go start, start my builds. Cause yeah. uh, and, one, and one of my other teams would definitely have probably a Jalen hurts team with AJ or Devante with maybe a Gasicki run back. I mean, again, that's the beauty of this contest. To your point on a couple points you made is 
you can keep track a little bit better with people who you're in competition with throughout the course of the day. It's because of the entrance and the way it's set up, it's, it kind of assists that playing for first place mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, I can, you know, with five teams leave no stone unturned on, because I think that game environment is also, you got to have exposure. I think to to a Jalen Hurts team, Uh, at least, stack him with Devonte or, or AJ and then maybe a, a Kasiki run back. And then, and then maybe p- even pair that with the chargers dolphins where it's, I guess it's more of a heavy four o'clock team that way. Yeah. I, that's one question I had for you. Does it really, cause just it's a case by case basis by each week where the better game environments potentially could be, but is there a detriment or a benefit to, being balanced on your one o'clock and four o'clock players, or if it's just, look, if you're feeling that, you know, the game environments favor the late window and most of your team's going to be comprised of that, I guess you have less of a late swap feature in that situation. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's basically a, like at the end of the day, the points all count the same, you know, Um, and a lot of lineups you, I end up, I'm even some that I look at, I end up not changing anything. Um, so I'm never, I think it's suboptimal to build lineups, to build your initial lineup specifically thinking I need to late swap. I think gotcha. you build the lineup, you see where it stands, you see the flexibility it gives you. Um, and then you kind of have a plan of, okay, like you talked about, well, I would swap Eckler and Mostert to Kenneth Walker and Tyreek. Yeah, maybe. Ha- yeah. Having that idea of knowing what your change is going to be if you need to go there or if you want to go there, depending on how the early things go. Um, I don't think that it, and just from a standpoint, like two years ago on FanDuel, uh, it was in the bomb, the $55 tournament. Um, I took fifth, uh, and it was a, I late swapped. I had like six guys going late. Um, and I late swapped like three guys for three different guys. I won't get into the whole thing. We're kind of running out of time here. Um, but it was once you get to a certain point, once you get like, if you have like five, six guys in that late window, then it's more you're looking for did those two or three guys that you had going, did they do well? And then are you sure that this lineup for me, this, at least this is how I think about it. I go back through that lineup that's sitting really good. And because when I initially built the lineups, I was thinking like you're saying, trying to cover these different scenarios or, you know, different ideas. But now I have this one lineup that like the three dudes hit in the early window and I got six guys left. Am I sure that this is the, this is the optimal six that I want? Be like so I have a couple in there that I just have in this lineup because I was, you know, I was trying to cover another side of a scenario. So it's like, ooh, wait, like I have, uh, you know, Mike Evans because I'm trying to cover the other side of this Tampa scenario, but I really like Chris Godwin more this week. Well, Godwin's in my lineups that are dead. So like do I want to, do I want to get this Mike Evans exposure here when I don't like him as much? You know, it's that sort of idea. Um, 
again, where, you know, thing, the NFL Sunday, it's dynamic, it's very dynamic. And there's a lot that you can exploit and, you know, your thought process and mindset has to um, adjust, you know, because things are changing as the games play out. So, um, yeah, super interesting though. Um, I have had a terrific time. I'm all jacked up, uh, excited to do this weekly, at least once a week going forward. Absolutely. Um, excited to see you in the one week season Binks channel on Sunday, uh, with your Anthony Richardson stack. If Anthony <laughs> Richardson is, is, uh, leading teams to the top of the leaderboards, I'll probably, uh, at least be breaking even. So, uh, yeah, should be good. Thank you for being with us, Steve. Thanks Thank you to the audience for joining us, and we will see you next week. Sounds good. Good luck, everybody.